This is Docs in the Box podcast. A podcast about medicine, muscles, and more through the eyes of two physiatrists. I'm Dr. Amy West. And I'm Dr. Matthew Cowling. All right, guys, Docs in the Box podcast, we're back. Today we have James Maskell and Barkley Burns from Heal Community. So I'll go ahead and let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, James, you want to go first? Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, I'm James Maskell. I've been involved in um, functional medicine, I guess, for the last 16 years and pretty centrally for the last eight. Um, I've really been on a, a long-term mission to flatten the costs of healthcare and uh, see that empowering the masses uh, via empowerment medicine is really what's needed. And um, a couple of years ago, Barclay and I uh, got together to start Heal Community. And Barclay, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you, Barclay Burns. Uh, yeah, I've just been passionate about chronic disease management and really creating behavioral change models for curing and healing people with chronic disease. I spent a lot of my um, time at Intermountain Healthcare doing a PhD at the University of Cambridge in uh, strategic management. And I looked at the organizational economic drivers of improving clinical care outcomes like A1C, and reducing that and, and hospital readmission rates. And what we found in our research was that the behavior actually mattered as much or more than biology in terms of really seeing things change. And so we were looking at those models. And, and so with Heal Community, we were creating a, a behavioral change um, engine. Awesome. So what is Heal Community um, and how does that differ from our traditional medical model? So yeah, we created Heal Community essentially delivers virtual episodes of group care. So some of those ideas might be familiar to you if you're passionate about CrossFit, because you know there's there's power in the group. And if you use that power to help people make healthier changes, you sort of get the double whammy, right? You, you're solving loneliness, you're connecting people to each other, you're creating community where people support each other and create accountability, but then you're using that energy to actually do the fundamentals of health creation. I had sort of seen uh, over the last 10 years, I'd helped a lot of doctors. My first book helped doctors kind of leave um, the medical system and start their own like direct primary care practice. And although that was really successful, I saw that, you know, we were never really going to get to the people that really matter, right? The, the bottom half of the socioeconomic uh, divide that we're never going to pay for healthcare outside of either government or commercial insurance. And so when the world flipped upside down with COVID, we saw an incredible opportunity to uh, build uh, virtual group medicine online and to then partner with doctors who bill insurance so that we essentially become an extension of your care team. And so you prescribe the episode of care, we deliver the episode of care uh, in our virtual platform, you bill the insurance and uh, we end up, um, you know, essentially splitting the money one way or another. So it's more profitable for the doctor than prescribing a drug. Um, the outcomes are sensational when you get people into community over six months and re-engage them in really a full spectrum biopsychosocial intervention. And so we're just at the beginning of seeing how powerful the combination of like lifestyle delivery and uh, group, group care models are. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point that a lot of the um, sort of uh, ways to approach these kind of patients have 
been presented in these platforms that are kind of uh, expensive or outside of traditional uh, kind of healthcare roles. And even physicians who want to partake in that don't have the, the ability to do that because they're usually employed by a big health system. So how do, I guess, what, how do doctors go about partnering with you? And then what does that look like as far as their interactions with the patients and yours? And how do those mix together? Yeah, when we first started this, we thought this would really be something for sort of primary care and family medicine. And our first clinic that we launched in um, in, in Sacramento was that. It was a doctor that was in primary care, part of a big group actually of um, called the Hill Physicians Group, which is like 4,000 independent doctors. And we started working with them and it was a great fit. Over this last year, we've now found cardiologists, rheumatologists, um, pain doctors, psychiatrists, many different specialties also are starting to realize that sort of whole body inflammation affects all of the conditions that they're treating. And if they had a way that they could reduce that whole body inflammation by actually getting people to do the behavior changes, then that would be really valuable. But it's extremely difficult to do that in the limitations of a 15 minute office visit, if that 15 minute office visit is, you know, once every three months. And so, you know, what we um, sort of came to was that, you know, what you do what you're really good at, which is the sort of precision medicine end, which is like the individualization of either the medication or let's say the supplements, if you were doing more like integrative or functional medicine and let us take care of like the boring, annoying part of actually getting people to change. And, you know, what I came to, I wrote a book called The Community Cure, which I spent two years researching on all the models of group delivered care just really came to recognize that if you want to facilitate behavior change, groups is the way to do it. And so um, that's that was sort of the genesis for it. And we're super excited to see not just independent physicians, you know, signing up now, but also big groups of physicians signing up because um, it's 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 profitable to deliver this. And then we're right on the edge of of um, of bringing in, you know, hospitals that find it very difficult to execute this kind of care and other bigger organizations like accountable care organizations that are incentivized to reduce the cost of care. And many independent physicians have sort of put themselves into those groups. And we're really excited about um, the opportunity to, you know, work with bigger populations where the incentives are to reduce the cost of care, because ultimately there's nothing more elegant than putting people in groups and having them support each other to be healthy. Yeah, that that's great. And now with the insurance aspect of this, you mentioned, you know, that um, you guys are billing through insurance. Were you able to present any of your data to insurance companies to help incentivize or how did you guys go about taking care of that piece of it? So the first iteration of our product is built around existing billing codes. Um, so, you know, so that we can partner with any clinic that's running a 99214, which is basically everyone. And so, you know, in our first iteration, um, you know, the, 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 the changes in coding in 2021 that came about, which is the biggest change in coding really in 30 years, um, allowed for medical decision making to be a sort of a qualification for, um, for 99214s. And so ultimately, we um, were able to sort of organize our delivery system so that, you know, what, what our program looks like to the payer is a series of office visits, monthly office visits in the clinic, but is actually, you know, a uh, two touch points a week, high touch um, program that includes, you know, a relationship, a new relationship with a coach 
and the coaching is a big part of our model. There's also new relationships with people in the group, both as a collective, obviously in like a Zoom type of situation, but also one-on-one. And, you know, maybe Barkley, you want to talk to that because I know um, the progress partner is something that we're really proud of. You know, when we started, we wanted to, we thought everyone should have an accountability buddy and apparently no one wants an accountability buddy, but if you just call it a progress partner, everyone's into it. And so we've learned those things along the way about how to really get people to support each other in being accountable to the things that they know they want to do already. Barkley, you want to add into that? You're right in the middle of that, I guess. Yeah, well, what we're finding is that there is something that really happens with the peer-to-peer. And if you create this space where there's some content that that helps organize the, the discussion. But if people show up and are really supportive of each other and have the opportunity to share their wins, their struggles in this group setting, then there's this bond that starts to form. And then other people in the group will start to have successes. And then, then other people look at, oh, they're succeeding. I understand that. And it really, there's something in this dynamic of interacting with, with peers on this journey, this healing journey that becomes quite profound. And it, it's no small thing to actually get people to do that. I mean, it's taken hundreds of sessions for us to really learn how to facilitate that space and to get people to come together and congeal in terms of their hearts and their minds. And, and, and so we're, we're seeing that happen, though. It's fairly routine for us at this point, but it, it's taken us a long time to really crack how to do that. Yeah, I mean, as physicians, we can make recommendations, but it's not until those recommendations become habit that actual health changes. So this is a, a perfect opportunity for for that to happen, for those those recommendations to become habits. Um, so what, what is a, a typical episode of care look like? And, and who is your typical patient? Who are the kinds of people that you're seeing? So our anchor program, which is what we start everyone off with, um, there's two sort of flavors of it. There's a there's a, um, a sort of an anti-inflammatory one, which is roughly for people with digestive conditions, autoimmune conditions, you know, chronic infections, long COVID, mold, Lyme, that sort of bucket of sort of um, inflammatory conditions. And then there's another one which is sort of broadly metabolic. So, you know, whether it's um, obesity, type two diabetes, heart disease, but uh, you know that it's a six month episode of care. We started off with three months, but then we realized that people were just really starting to get to know each other after three months and they wanted the groups to continue. So we revamped our program to make the billing um, for six months and to recreate the program. So over it's, it's six, four week uh, pillars. Each pillar is one of the fundamentals of health creation. I mean, um, there's nothing new there. I think we all know that how you how you move, how you sleep, how you eat, how you take care of your stress, your relationships and your community, and then you know your your environment. These are the things that determine whether your trajectory of health is going up or going down. And so we have um, each month. Uh, we focus on one of those pillars and inside each month is a combination of coaching, content, um, group engagement. We have challenges and then we connect people with this progress partner uh, and people support each other and making lasting changes in all of those areas. And the outcomes are spectacular. I mean, we have uh, in that in that episode of care, um, 75 percent of people who have um, who score highly for depression. Um, get significant improvement, um, about the same for fatigue, um, anxiety, and uh, 
pain is about 60%. And we were quite quite excited and surprised about pain because ultimately what we came to see is really pain is a biopsychosocial condition, right? And that lonely people have higher pain scores. So you get people into a group where they can talk about their pain and they can connect with other people who have similar pain and pain starts to go away. Yeah, it seems like a great way to treat all these comorbid conditions, right? Because we know how what percentage, a very high percentage, right, of patients with um, chronic pain have depression and the other way around. And it's if you're attacking it from all angles, which it sounds like you guys are doing, that seems like the best model, the most efficient way to do it. Um, has the pandemic influenced this at all, you know, in terms of, I mean, it sounds like the virtual platform is something that's really kind of blowing up in medicine in general. Um, how has that influenced you guys? Yeah, well, um, I would say we, you know, telemedicine has evened out at 38x what it was before the pandemic. So right. it's like a ridiculous growth and people are used to it now. And honestly, I think people expect it because it's actually um, it's it's respectful of their time. Right. Driving to the doctor's office in the waiting room, driving home. You know, it's a lot easier to do it like this for the majority of things. So that was a you know a big moment. You know, ultimately, group medicine was about to have its moment, right? Not just Alcoholics Anonymous and, and um, Narcotics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous and all you know, addiction groups, but the functional medicine group model was taking off inside the Cleveland Clinic. And, you know, there's plenty of examples of like group delivered medicine really starting to get great outcomes. That whole thing just got destroyed as soon as COVID came along. There was no group medicine because you couldn't sit in a room together. And so that was like a, the sort of the, the big moment where I had literally just written the book on group medicine two months before. It's terrible timing. And I just thought this is the moment, you know, for us to really work out how to do it virtually. And, you know, Barclays previous experience was building communities of learners. And I realized like this is really an education game as well as a activation game. And so, you know, we've had a, a great opportunity over the last two years to put our heads together and, and come up with something that could really move the needle in something that's been very, very difficult to move the needle in. And as far as the exercise piece, have you partnered with any like gym facilities? Or is there, how do you kind of get people involved in moving their bodies? Well, I'm glad you asked that, actually, because so in, in November 2019, I went to uh, the CrossFit Health at HQ, right? And it was one of the CrossFit Health events. I had become really friendly with Julie Fouché because she had been training in functional medicine, going to the functional medicine conferences, and, and we knew each other. She invited me down there. And what I saw there was really exciting because I'd been doing CrossFit. But um, what I saw there was the sort of the first rollout of a desire by CrossFit to really help the non-athlete get more functional movement, right? A desire to try and help older people or people who didn't have as much movement history to do it. And so, you know, we knew that that was going to have to be a focus. So in our program, you know, we do have a whole month dedicated to movement, not just exercise, but really movement. A lot of times people are sitting down all day and, you know, finding ways to help them move throughout the day is critical. But actually last week we had a meeting where there was a, a doctor who works in a hospital in South Carolina and her husband um, who uh, owns a CrossFit box. 
and we started to think about what would be the what would be the potential of augmenting um, month five, which is the movement month, um, by sending those groups that meet virtually to a physical location to do some of that with a lo local CrossFit owner. And we're very enthused about that possibility. And actually, if there are doctors or CrossFit box owners or CrossFit over people listening to this who would like to, you know, partner with us on something like that. I mean, we have a great way to track our outcomes right now. And so, you know, we would love to see what would happen if we could sort of augment our virtual program with some local in-person functional movement, um, especially if people are excited about the possibility of working with people who are chronically ill and aren't, you know, top end CrossFit athletes. Yeah, that's great. Amy and I talk about on here all the time, you know, the barrier to entry of getting people into a CrossFit box. There's several factors with it. One big thing is just, it's really intimidating for people who don't do CrossFit to step into there. And the other thing is, is cost is a big barrier for a lot of people. And so any way we can get more, um, you know, people banded together and then have people supporting that and joining, I mean, it's, that's, that's the way we need to do it. Yeah, I think there's a there's a there's a barrier to entry, but one of the biggest barrier to entry is I think people when they see the CrossFit games, they're like, this is what CrossFit is. And ultimately what I got to see in that session when I came to CrossFit Health was that really, you know, like I look at my my dad. My dad's 83, he lives in South Africa. Like if he had been doing CrossFit-ish exercises, like many of the things that he's trying to do every day would be a lot easier to him. The squatting, the lifting, all those kind of things. And, and it just reinforced to me, you know, how powerful those movements are, even outside of the sort of typical athletic context. And, and have you thought about as far as, um, you know, if you partner with a, like a local gym, for example, if you, the way you, you're planning to do to that potentially, how, what would that look like as far as like reimbursement for the, for the facility itself? Cause I can imagine that being somewhat of an issue. Yeah. I mean, I would see us probably being in more of a lead gen role. Like we don't actually bill the insurance, right? We have to partner with a clinic that does bill the insurance. I will tell you that like insurance is changing again in 2022 and the, you know, the shifts in billing are shifting continuously because CMS and Medicare is trying to incentivize doctors to actually get people healthy. So that, you know, it took a little bit of like ingenuity on the coding for us to build our program. And so I'm sure that there may be ways to, you know, to think that through, especially when coaching becomes more uh, payable within the system, the specifics of how, you know, CrossFit would get billed to insurance. I'd have to come back to you on that once we've, we tried it a little bit and maybe we could speak to our consultant, but ultimately I think introducing people you know, if we could introduce big swathes of people that would never walk into a CrossFit to go in, try a functional movement session, I'm sure a percentage of those would convert into cash pay customers for the, for the box. When it comes to the nutritional aspect of it, um, do you guys have basic education that you provide? Is there a certain philosophy that you guys go with that's standardized or how does that piece work? I mean, uh, you know, Food is the biggest driver of change in these groups. Um, actually, the person who introduced Barkley and I was Dallas Hartwick. So Dallas and I have been friends from the functional medicine world for 
six years and he lives in Salt Lake where Barkley lives and Dallas introduced us say, Hey, you got to meet Barkley. So, you know, Dallas came in as a consultant, obviously with whole 30, you know, built something that has really stood the test of time uh, in terms of really uh, shifting people's physiology with food. So we take a little bit more of a, a sort of a balanced approach to it. Some of the other like well-known group related models in medicine, like Dean Ornish's heart program have been very vegan focused. And so that's put off a lot of people. We've ended up working with a lot of like, um, you know, um, policemen and firemen who probably in, in large part aren't going to go vegan, but will do very well with a paleo, um, paleo diet. And I think, you know, just from my experience at CrossFit, there's a lot of firemen and police in my box um, that I've been to. So we have a bit more of a, like a, you know, like a, um, there's different options essentially, but it's all about reducing whole body inflammation, stabilizing blood sugar, and, um, you know, doing something that's sustainable. And for, for those people listening who are not familiar with functional medicine, can you explain a little bit what, what that is and how that sort of is, is different than traditional medicine? Uh, yeah, functional medicine, you know, started 30 years ago as a way, as a sort of a different operating system for that was designed around the chronic disease. You know, medicine um, that is practiced conventionally was really born in an era of acute disease. And that's why you see the best diagnostician first and you, you know, use these like single cause uh, agents like drugs as your first line of, of attack or defense. You know, functional medicine was created in, uh, well, it's, it started to formalize in the early 90s. And it's a, a sort of a different onboarding system for patients where you take time to really understand the sort of etiology of the disease. And it's really well designed for chronic conditions where you sort of lose function over time and end up with um, a lifestyle driven chronic illness. So, you know, thousands and thousands of doctors have taken training in it. And ultimately it's starting to gain a lot of traction in, um, you know, in inside the mainstream, but ultimately it's been in general kind of unaffordable and delivered, um, you know, for cash outside of the healthcare system. And I take partial responsibility for that in helping doctors leave the system. But about three years ago, I just sort of had a, a moment of conscience where I realized that if functional medicine was really to become the standard of care, it needed to go through uh, an evolution to um, make it uh, available through the payer system, available to everyone, but also solve the biggest problem, which is people have to do the work, right? People actually have to participate in their health. And that's when we realized, you know, I realized through writing the book, The Community Cure, that, you know, if we if we wanted to solve for that, we would have to use the behavior change methodology that had the most um, history behind it. And that was the group methodology. Since you guys started up, what are some of the biggest barriers that you've encountered? You know, I think... Uh, I mean, I would say one of the, one of the things, and like this is kind of why I you know ended up partnering with Barclay. Barclay, you know, had built a very successful technology company uh, called Learning.com, and we can talk about that in more in a minute. 
But one of the biggest barriers is that like building technology and doing it right is both like expensive and you have to do it right. And I had never done that before. I knew kind of what we needed to build, but I didn't know that. And so the biggest barrier has been like, we've already spent almost a million dollars on the technology itself. And, you know, ultimately most doctors could never afford to do that. And, um, you know, technology is expensive, but it's also expansive. It creates an opportunity for an expansive um, outcome. And, and, you know, Barclay, maybe you want to talk to what's important for you when, when we built this technology, because it hasn't been so much been a barrier, but it's been something very critical to get right. Yeah, getting technology right is such a challenging thing. And over the years of building out technology companies and ex- those types of things in a, and also in a university setting, really learned that technology gets to be effective and user-friendly and usable. You have to kind of co-create the technology and the experience together with the users, right? And so we use an agile development method and we've had people using our technology early on. As soon as we get something built, we'll, we'll start using pieces of it. And then we watch how people behave with it. We watch what issues they have and then we tweak it. Then we add more pieces. And so the entirety of our technology has been built in the wild with real people using it in, in increments of two-week sprints. And it's it's just hard to do it. And so everybody in your organization has to listen and be very in tune to what the patients and the doctors are experiencing and then really fine-tuning that learning and then codifying it and turning it into processes and then building it back into the tech, building it back into how you coach, building it back into how you mentor and onboard clinics. And so it's been this really great dance. And, and by having early experiences with clinics and having patients early on, we've just learned a great deal and it's all been baked into everything that we do, but it's hard to do that. And this is really painstaking work. And how do, how would a physician, like what, how do they go about partnering with you? What does that, what does that look like? Does it have to be like a system-wide um, interaction or can like an individual provider kind of yeah, sign we, up? We generally like to, you know, to start small and get to know each other because it does end up being a real partnership, right? So the clinic is is identifying the patients, recruiting the patients and billing the insurance. And we're basically doing everything else. So, you know, we have the tech, we have the platform, we have the delivery system, we hire the coaches, we train the coaches, but we also do the sort of, um, you know, the, the pieces that typically get in the way of people doing group medicine, which is the administrative burden. So we're, you know, tech support, customer support, calling the patients, getting them engaged. So ultimately what it looks like, um, you know, in, in, in small private practices, it's very easy. We can just, you know, come to an agreement um, and then set up some groups normally six to eight weeks out so that we make sure we have time to, you know, train the billing department, train the doctor who's going to be on the monthly sessions or the nurse practitioner and get with the marketing department to make sure that they're putting out the communications in the right way. Um, in, in one group we just started working with, which is 15 OBGYNs, you know, one of them was really excited about this and brought it in just in a, her own practice. And now, you know, the other 14 are sort of realizing how oh, this is cool. And I see, you know, patients getting better. What's really exciting is starting to make it into different niches that we didn't really think were happening. We've got a, a clinic that's for rheumatologists 
None of them have ever taken any training in lifestyle medicine or functional medicine or anything, but they know that patients that eat properly tend to reduce their pain and get better outcomes with rheumatology, but they just didn't have any delivery system for it. I mean, I think just to compare, like if you prescribe a medication, there's a CVS down the road and there's a pharmacist to help you to do what to do. And then there's a, you know, a machine that's going to help you refill the pharmacy. There's a, there's a whole system built to sort of support adherence in that direction. If you say, Hey, you've got to like exercise and lose weight or diet, you know, there's just no, you know, facilitation machine built on. And essentially what we've created is that adherence machine. And so, you know, we're, we're really there to help sort of deliver on that protocol and, and to create adherence to the protocol. So we're not practicing medicine. It's a very like coach focused, peer focused delivery system. But ultimately when you introduce people who want to get healthy to each other, magic can really happen. Yeah, that's great. One thing that I struggle with, and I think a lot of physicians struggle with in this space is that we know the information, you know, we have in the back of our mind, we've all made lifestyle modifications, behavioral changes ourselves, and we want to give that information to patients, right? But it's just, we struggle with time, patient volume, all these things. And this is a way to give massive amounts of information to a group of people, right? Yeah. It's, it's giving information, but it's also, you know, yeah. creating the structures for implementing the information. Right. Yeah, but that's it. So it's, it's, it's for giving information, but when you learn in community, then it becomes part of your heart, your mind, your routines, and it gets validated by all of these peers and these coaches. And then we work with the physicians also join the Zoom. And so you have this collaboration of coach, provider, and, and patient. And so information just becomes a part of social network structures and information that's embedded in a social network is wildly more robust than information that's just sitting out there on its own. Yeah, I, I find that, I mean, coming from a, so man, I work in sort of a musculoskeletal pain kind of uh, practice, um, but you know, the people um, often, you know, they come in, they say they want to lose weight, but it, it's hard to to address that in such a short amount of time and then give them a plan to do so. Um, but another thing that I, I also find is that, you know, people want to be fixed and it's hard sometimes for people to realize they want to, that they have to fix themselves. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you kind of make that connection or, or is your, do you find that your program is more for people who have already said like, I'm committed to losing weight. I just need a plan. Or can you kind of help people who maybe are not as proactive well, it's interesting. So I think, I think you have to want to do it, right? I think that like, ultimately, if you just want to take a pill and not have to worry about it, then maybe this isn't for you. But I do want to tell you something that does happen in the groups that is interesting. So I think there is even like different personality types in patients. And I've seen some clinics that actually do some like personality typing. And what we've seen that happens in the groups, in any group of 20 that we, you know, that we start, there are some people in the group that just take the information and run with it. Like they just get the information, they do it, they quickly, they, they're in. There, there's a, the most of the group that don't do that. They're just sort of waiting and seeing, is this real? Should I trust this? Should I really engage? And part of what you're talking about is those people. And what we find is that if, because the six month episode of care is long enough, the first people, 
inspire the, the second people to start going. And then when the first people burn out because they're like quick start energy, um, you know, they, they get going and they can do it, but they can't maintain. They get maintained by the people who started a bit longer. So that's really the power of the container is that if you put these people in and the container is long enough and you really engage them into participating, they kind of egg each other on. Um, and, and that's um, really special. So you have to want to be in the group in the first place. And honestly, you asked about uh, the sort of biggest problem that we have. No one thinks they want to be in a group until they actually get in a group. And then they realize the group is awesome, right? Even in that first session, we have a, we have a, a thing that we use where if, if you hear something that someone else says and you resonate with it, that I have that too, you put your hand up. So it's a way for people to, you know, see, are people thinking like that? And one of those experiences is so transformational for people in the group because they're like, wow, this person, you know, without saying anything is telling me they're having the same experience for them. It's very validating. If we could just get people to do that once, they're like, I'm in, they love the group. But, you know, it's not cool or aspirational or sexy to be an Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So something that looks a little bit like it doesn't feel like that. And ultimately, I think, you know, Barkley and I fully committed to this. I think one of the things that we're going to have to do in our 10-year trajectory, probably starting in about three years, is a mass, you know, media campaign to make it cool and aspirational to want to be in a group. And I think if anything, this you know, the, the separation and loneliness and anxiety and isolation that's happened through the pandemic, I think it will become evident of the sort of effect of that um, in the healthcare system in the next little while. And I think maybe the, the winds will be at our back for that. Awesome. And you just kind of alluded to this a little bit, but what are some, some of the bigger changes or what are anything you guys are hoping to accomplish here um, in the next year uh, with Heal Community? What are some of the big goals you guys have? So I think expanding our data is is really powerful. Like we've got great intro data and you can see that on our website, a heal community. You can see the outcomes we've generated already. We're now doing um, new groups in areas like perimenopause. We've got, um, so we've got a group going through where they're doing a full um, Boston Heart Lab uh, sort of panel at the beginning and the end because Medicare pays for it. So we can see actual clinical data and what's happening to people's hearts, you know, over a six month episode of care. So that's a big thing. You know, the technology will improve so that we can start to find other ways of accessing um, more income to make it more profitable through chronic care management and remote patient monitoring. So as we keep building out the technology, we'll be able to, you know, create more income for the clinic. Um, and for uh, for us in that journey, and then also just uh, you know continue to work with more and more groups. I'm I'm really excited about the possibility of doing something with the CrossFit community to show that our episode of care plus in person exercise and movement um, could be you know even more uh, effective. So yeah, we'd love to connect with doctors who want to create the future of uh, of healthcare and. You know, I think it's an amazing time for the physician entrepreneur, right? It's an amazing time to rebuild and reinvent medicine. And, you know, that's why I was so excited to come on this podcast, because I feel like those doctors that do CrossFit really understand that there is two different worlds happening simultaneously, right? There's conventional medicine that doesn't understand health creation, and there's health creation that is proving that this is the future of chronic disease care. And it's time for those two worlds to sort of connect and collide and build the new system that makes the existing system obsolete. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think our audience, our audience is mainly, you know, physicians who do, who do CrossFit. And I think they're going to love this. The model is amazing. It's, if you were to tell me when I first started, you know, medical school, that something like this would exist. It's exactly what I want to be involved in, because I think it's what a lot of us go into medicine thinking that we can do. And then throughout that course of, you know, going through the system, you become jaded or you just start, you know, getting hammered with work and it just becomes too difficult. And we do our best to keep ourselves in good shape. Right. So this is great. Um, I want to be super respectful of your time. So anything else um, you guys want our audience to know and where can they find you guys? Yeah, go to healcommunity.com. Um, if you go to the website, you can check out uh, you know, our outcomes. There's a podcast there where you can listen to a doctor who was our first clinic that went through. Ultimately, if you go through there and put in your details, um, I'd love to set up a time to chat with you to find out more about your practice and, and see if it's a fit. It's a great time right now to set up groups for the new year. There's never more excitement um, than in the new year as far as getting people you know, who you mentioned earlier may not be at any other time in the year. They may just want to take a pill, but for three weeks in January, they're hyper motivated to join a group and we might be able to be the thing that helps people sustain um, where they hadn't done before. So, you know, we'd love to hear from you in, in the next uh, couple months and love to get some groups started in January. And, uh, you know, I think that um, success and, and getting these kind of outcomes, you know, will, will uh, start to accelerate the movement. And I'm, I'm super grateful to have an opportunity to, to be with you here today. Awesome. Thank you so much. James Maskell, Thank Barkley so Burns, healcommunity.com. Check them out, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care.